0: 16, it's verses 19 through 31. Some of us learn this as the parable of Dines and Lazarus, also known as the rich man and Lazarus. So. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid like a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. And even the dogs came and lived his sores. Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are nagging. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I thank you, Father. Send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Now, I invite you to join together as we uh, turn to the scripture again this morning. We turn next to uh, Luke chapter 12 and we read verses 13 through 26. As always, it helps you to follow along. We invite you to do that now. Um, You can find it, uh, obviously, in your favorite Bible, whether that's online or in print. You can follow along on the screen, or if you find that following along is distracting, we invite you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Jesus was teaching, and as he was teaching, this happened. So when the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who can Be a judge and an arbiter between you. And then he said to him, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He told them this parable: The ground certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night nice. your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be, with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich for God. And Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food in the body, more than clothes. Consider the ravens; They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Uh, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We bow for you for a moment, please. Gracious and holy God, again, we gather your people. We are grateful for this chance to be together, and we are grateful, Lord, that you are here with us, so that we always ask your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would pour yourself upon us. That once again, you would take the words of the Scripture which we share, the humble words which I will offer, and the thoughts of every single one of our hearts and inspire them. Breathe life into them so that in them we might hear the Word of God. The Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Continue. by uh, direction and uh, encouragement and challenge about the good life, right, when, when we think of the good life, in, in, and there are all kinds of folk in the world that want to tell us what the good life is, right, so, so the good life has lists, and the good life also is about nutrition. The Good Life has a center, and you can get all kinds of good stuff. The Good Life has a podcast, and it's got a market, and it's got a video game, and it's got a project, and it's got a, a, a business. And thank God at least it has coffee. <laughs> and then, we can't talk about the Good Life without remembering this dilemma.
0: Mr. Jones and Mr. Cranford, the neighbors, each had
1: $3,000. With his money, Mr. Jones bought himself a
0: $3,000 car.
1: With his money, Mr. Cranford bought himself a new refrigerator, a new brake. story. It's even older than the 60s, isn't it? Right? part of that conversation that Jesus is having that that starts out with somebody in the back of the room going, hey, read my words, share with me. heartbeat. That, that these possessions begin to possess this man's relationship with his brother. And that as Jesus tells the parable that, that possessions take possession of the rich man's entire world. As we talked about with the kids, that possessions have taken possession of all that we're aware of and make us oblivious to the things, but more importantly, often to people who are all around us. And Jesus' point in all of this is not that possessions are evil, not that they're bad, but the point is that if we're not really Our possessions will own us. Instead of us owning our possession. And so when we define who we are, when we define the good life as being all about what do I have, we're really in a place where our stuff can own us. And one of the surest ways. To know that our stuff is starting to own us. So we find ourselves friendly to help somebody who's in need. Or we find ourselves fighting with people that we love dearly over what they have or what I'm supposed to have or what you have or When we find ourselves in those conversations, when we find ourselves in that headspace, when that's what's going on in in our minds all the time, what do I have, how do I get more, how do I use this best, how does this become? We are in range of being owned by our stuff. these things all these different ways all this different advice about how to find a good life is really centered around you don't have the right stuff but if you buy the right car you will Jesus not only really warns us about what we often think of as the good life can really end up being a nation that separates us not only from each other but from God. And so Jesus offers us in lieu of the good life, Jesus offers us a life. <coughs> Jesus offers us a blended life. And there's a lot of ways we can talk about that, and we don't have time to begin on the depths of that idea today. There, there's one piece of that that I, I, I want to share um, as we wind up today. This is advice that John Wesley uh, gave in, in one of the sermons. Um, he never says it quite the same way two times in a row. But, but let me kind of paraphrase his, what, what he's saying here. That as as he dove deeply into the scriptures, as he dove deeply into the the life of the Christians who had gone before him, as he dove deeply into uh, careful, thoughtful study, and as he dove deeply into his experience of God, he dove deep into the scriptures in light of those other things he came to this conclusion that without holiness in other words without uh, a life that is aware of other people of, of life that we can kind of sum up quickly as a life where we love God and we love our neighbors without that kind of of life, nobody can find God, and that this kind of of life is something that God does in us, even to the point of giving us the desire to want to live this life. That's God's work in us, and that we do it for for the joy of serving Christ. And that all these things that that this love comes from us having the the mind that was in Christ. In other words, we look to Jesus for these things. And then we can't get to this point, which John called sanctification after uh, the the writing of St. Paul and others. We can't be sanctified until we're justified. Until we come to that point where we have a living, vital relationship with Jesus Christ. And we (laughs) come to that by faithfulness. So our key to finding the abundant life starts with our relationship with Jesus Christ. It starts there. None of the rest of it can happen unless we start with this powerful, personal relationship with Jesus. That's where it starts. And then all these other things flow from that. That Jesus invites us to, and when we are so sure that God has loved us, that He gave His life for us on the cross in Jesus Christ, and was really buried and was really raised from the dead, so that we have a hope of new life. When we are so sure of that, then it is less likely that our stuff can move. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans 7, when he says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. That is not just the, the, the description of our battle as followers of Jesus, of our struggle with original sin, which still, even though it's broken on the cross, still has power in our lives. It's not only that explanation for why we need Jesus in the first place because you know, how matter, no matter how much we intend to do good if it doesn't start with our relationship with Jesus then it can't happen we will always fall short we will always stumble that was the point Paul was making So, we can want the good life, that life that, that keeps us so busy we don't know which end is up, that life that, that tells us that no matter how we're doing it, we're, we're just not quite there yet. We just have to buy one more thing and then we'll have it until the next model comes out. A life that it gets us so consumed in that that it eats our awareness, our ability to have empathy, our relationships with love. ones, eats them a lot. We can want the good, but Jesus offers us. Jesus offers us the abundant. as we worship. We celebrate. Today as we worship, we remember as we come to the table, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, that Jesus offers us.